2021, but praise God, it will be here soon enough. We do have service on Wednesday night, of course, still, so that'll be the final church service of 2020. And uh, anyway, it's going to be awesome. Want to remind you guys of a few things. We'll try to do this every uh, Sunday for the next little bit. But a few house rules, a little housekeeping. First of all, we want to do our part for the local community to stay safe and strong and healthy. So we ask that uh, you have a mask on unless you're seated in your seat listening to the sermon or whatever. But if you're moving around the building, please put that mask on. And uh, if you, uh, we want you to keep your social distance. I know a lot of you like to hug and like to get into somebody else's personal space, all right, into their bubble. And, you, you know, sometimes that's cute, but right now we'll stay social distance the best that we can. And also, of course, if you are not feeling well, just stay home, watch online. We know that's kind of second best, but uh, that's the best thing for you if uh, if you're experiencing any symptoms. And with that being said, uh, if you can't be here for some reason, do watch online, please. This is not the time of life. This is not the time in world history to uh, disconnect from God even one inch. You need to stay as strong spiritually as you possibly can. So by all means, if you can't be here, watch on YouTube, watch on Facebook. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes or the Android thing and however that works. So uh, just please stay connected. And of course, if you aren't able to be here to give, you can give online at hdwc.org slash giving. You can tithe on there. There's even a phone number you can text. I don't have it memorized, but it's on the website there for that, all right? So that's all the fun rules. Uh, we have communion today to kind of close out 2020, at least on the church end. So we will have communion today and we'll have it next Sunday to open up the new year on that foot. So I don't think you can take, amen. <laughs> you can't take too much communion. And those that are watching online, you may want to have, you know, have your elements together, some uh, some juice and uh, some bread or cracker. That way you're ready to go at the end of the service and you can take communion also. 
All right. Well, I know you've been waiting all year for this. You've been, I mean, you've been on the edge of your seat in anticipation, but I'm getting ready to unveil the 2021 theme verse. I know the anticipation is wild. So the theme verse for 2021, I'm just getting a head start. I'm not preaching on this, uh, but the theme verse for 2021 is Isaiah chapter 50 and verse seven. And, uh, you know, every year we pick a theme verse that we are going to just take to heart for the year. And this year, this past year was incredible. Proverbs 11, 11, And it talked about when right living people bless the city, it flourishes. But evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. That's Proverbs 11, 11. That was the 2020 theme verse. But here in the NLT, Joel, if you could put the New Living Translation, Joel, on the screen. Isaiah 50 and verse 7 is the verse for 2021. It says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Who believes that? Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Hallelujah. Therefore, I have set my face like stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. And so we are setting our face as stone. No matter what goes on in this world, no matter what they say or he says or she says or or whatever comes down the pike, we are setting our face as a stone determined to do the will of God and nothing will pull us away from God's will. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We will be preaching on that and expounding on that in the coming weeks. But with that also comes the other moment of anticipation. You've been waiting for this since January of this year. Are you guys ready? It's the 2021 High Desert Word Center church calendar. Who's ready for this? (laughs) Amen. Hey. I know it just isn't Christmas without it, so the ushers have one for every family. Raise your hand, and and you know it, it's it's funny that it may not seem like that big of a of a deal, but people every year, hey, I didn't get my calendar. Where's my? It turns out everybody in the church really wants this calendar, so it's a beautiful calendar with wonderful nature scenes for each month. I'm going to try to you know sell it a little bit here, and it's got a, a fresh Bible verse every month. And a big deal to me is having uh, nature graphics that match the month. Because, listen, when it's October, I don't want to be seeing a springtime picture. That's going to rain on my parade. i got to see leaves in the fall. So, anyway, it's got good pictures and good Bible verses for every month. And it's going to be great. So, that's on there for you. And that's that. Hallelujah. Well, who's excited for some church today, man? Dude, I came ready. I came expecting to hear from God. We're going to have a great service, power-packed going to have communion at the end. Pastor has an awesome word uh, for closing out this year and opening up the new one. Amen. Well, let's let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to a verse for our tithes and offerings. Who knows what time it is? Happy time. Happy time. Well, why are you so happy about giving? Because I love to give. We love to give and God loves a cheerful giver. Let's look at a verse here this morning that you should very well have memorized probably by now. 3 John and verse 2. 3 John 2 in the King James Version. 3 John 2 in the King James. This is how I have it memorized. This is what I learned it in. If you need an envelope, the ushers have one in those beautiful little sterilized buckets right there. They're so clean, it's crazy. So go ahead and get yourselves an envelope if you need one. And of course, if you're doing your giving online, hdwc.org slash giving. 3 John And verse 2 in the King James Version, it says, Beloved, I wish above all else that thou mayest prosper 
and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Think about that. What what are two things that people really need right now? I mean, anytime, but especially right now. They need their health and they need their finances blessed. And some people are like, well, this is going on and I just don't know what God wants. It says right here, beloved, I wish above all else that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so that's there's so many messages right in that verse right there. But listen to this. If you want to prosper on the outside, you need to prosper on the inside first. If you if you want to be healthy with your physical health, you also need to be very well aware. You need to be healthy with your spiritual health. These things precede what happens on the outside. Amen. And so always remember this. Never for one second of your life doubt if God wants you blessed and if God wants you healthy. It says right here, he wishes above all these things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Can I get an amen today? All right, let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith over our giving, and then we're going to get right in to some powerful praise and worship. And again, we're going to be taking communion at the end of the service here, and it is going to be absolutely awesome. Let's say these words of faith over our giving together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Step out of the shadows Step out of the grave Break into the wild And don't be afraid Run into wide open spaces, faces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, faces waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. Oh, the Spirit is here, let there be freedom, let there be freedom. all of your scars come back to communion come back to the start run into wide open spaces graces waiting for you dance like 
the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are. To the fullness of His love, oh, the Spirit is here. Let there be freedom. Let there be freedom. Chains will fall. Hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Chains will fall, prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Life made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Of the Spirit is 
think we just need to dance off 2020. We're heading into a new year and we're going to praise. He is worthy. sort of getting ready for this service today, I was sort of thinking, kind of like Pastor Dave was talking earlier, how it's been kind of, in many ways it's been a really rough year, but in many ways it's also been a really good year. Um, and I was reminded of this scripture, and it's Second uh, Timothy 2, verse 13, and it says, even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And it reminded me of this song that we sing sometimes, and I want to sing it today together. And it just goes like this. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. And this is my confidence never failed me your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence that you've never failed me
walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me change to come but knowing the battles won for you have never failed me your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence that you never failed me you're still enough keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence That you never fail me No matter how long the night seems The Lord is still faithful I know the night won't last Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love My heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence that you never failed me. And your promise still stands. 
Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never fail me. still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness 
still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Jesus, you said you're the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through you. Lord, I'm so glad that you're my way, you're my truth, and you're my life. And I can come to the Father, Jesus, through you. As we come to this last Sunday morning service for 2020 for our church family, and people watching out there that are part of our church family and have watched us on the internet. Lord, I've yielded to you to speak words of life personally to everyone that hears my voice today and in the future as they watch these broadcasts. But I want to thank you for everyone that's seeking you, looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for truth, that's something I say from your word or from a bunny trail you have me go on, that everyone is going to be blessed and enlightened and have no fear, but only hope and faith for the future, Lord. I just want to thank you that just like the psalmist said, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, give somebody an air high five or an air elbow or something and just tell them you're glad they're here. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. And you know, as we were worshiping the Lord, I, I, I was thinking about life. I was thinking about my life and things that I've seen in going through life and living for Jesus. That my wife and I, we've had a lot of uh, good seasons of life. We've had some bad seasons that we wanted them to end, and some seasons that were bad went on for a long, long time, but we kept our eyes on Jesus. And in Galatians chapter 5, it says, part of the fruit of the Spirit we have in our born-again spirits called long-suffering. didn't say short-suffering, because sometimes you suffer long. But while you're suffering long because of the Holy Spirit in us and the Word of God that guides us, we know how to go through things, and another fruit of the Spirit is joy, and love, and peace. But that one in there, that long suffering's in there. And so as we go through things, 
We want things to be shorter, but we've got something the world doesn't have. We've got the Holy Ghost in us. We've got the character of God in us, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And we can go through things to keep our joy. And, and what part of the reason of that is this. Peter said that we have joy unspeakable, full of glory. And we've got to be ready always to give an answer to them that don't know God. To give an answer to them for the hope that's in us. And so as we live for Jesus, we're going to notice. And I noticed about these seasons of life several years ago when I was praying and looking over my life and writing in my journal. I noticed that every year there's seasons in the natural but they're a reflection of spiritual seasons that year too. We go through seasons of the year where all of a sudden we get, it's like we got uh, spiritual growth hormones working where we want to grow, we're hungry. And then we go through the year, we kind of coast, just kind of do it by faith because we're not feeling anything or nothing spectacular going off, going off in our spirits. But it's that season where we just like, like the summer season in the natural, you know, the fields planted and now it's growing. Then towards the end of the year, you harvest. It sounds kind of like it is year by year. But then I noticed that year when the Lord's taught me about seasons, that we have seasons of life. You know, you start off as a baby. Then you get a little bit older where you're walking, doing kindergarten and things. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in school. And then that school season passes where you start going through puberty, maybe, and you're getting into high school. And then you're going off your life. You're going to college. You're getting, getting married, getting a new life started. And then one day... You like Mrs. Pastor and all you praise I you praise God for Medicare and Social Security, it helps. And then as you get older you realize that you're not going to live forever in this physical body, that one of these days you're going to leave this body. And so you just enjoy the seasons you're in, but in the season you're in right now, you're in a season. You're in a season, a yearly season, but also you're in a season of life right now that the whole world's going through right now. But the thing is, we know the Bible tells us that things that we see are temporal, temporary, and they're going to change. And so what I learned a long time ago about walking with God, because we know that whether you go through good times or bad times, the season you're in is going to change to another season. Well, the bad seasons, you can determine how you live, how it's going to end for you. And that's why we're here in church, to, to be under the presence of the, of the, of the anointing of God, to be able to see people of like precious faith that aren't thought in the town quitting on life, maybe going through tough times. I know some of you went through COVID already. And praise God, you came through it. Good to see you back in church again. People watch it right now that are on quarantine. It's going to come to pass. And so as, as we do what we do, our attitude concerning Jesus, his word, and how we're going to look at things is going to determine how soon it's going to end for us and how it's going to end. Amen. And so that's where we are. And, and, and I said that getting to this. I myself personally basically shut off the news a couple months ago because I can't take it anymore. I've got the good news right here that tells me everything I want to know. I don't have to study the badness of it. I want to study the goodness of God. And so we've, we, we've had at least one person, maybe more, that's asked us, are you going to get the vaccine? Well, I have read nothing, studied nothing, looked at nothing, because all the glimpses I've seen, it's just like all the other stupid stuff the media tells you. Man, you got these experts this, these experts that. Well, I talked to the one that's perfect. And so somebody asked us yesterday, are you going to get the vaccine? And 
Here's what I say. I have a very, my wife and I have a very great, wonderful, knowledgeable internist for our personal physician. This guy studies it and sees it every day. That's what he lives. That's what he does. And so when the vaccine is made available to us, we're planning on talking, number one, to our doctor because we do want it. And so we're on medications for different things. And so because this is his expertise field and this is my expertise field, I'm going to study the great physician, be in contact with him first. And then I'm going to get the natural information from my doctor. And so then if my doctor advises us to get it, I'm still going to check with the great physician that lives in me. And unless the Holy Spirit gives us a check, a stop, don't do it, then we're going to do it. Why is that? We live in a natural world for our natural bodies, for our physical bodies. We're spiritually, we're connected with Jesus, and spiritually, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But still, my earth suit has to stand up and live long enough for me to finish what God has for me. And so I'll take care of my spirit first. And then if there's natural things I've got to do for my earth suit so I can go a long time, I mean, I'm a grandpa too. I have a lot of wonderful grandkids right here in this. Well, all my grandkids stand up that's in here. Grandchildren, stand up. And even Joel back in the booth back there. And Sammy. And so we got a lot of grandkids here, a lot of them not here. I want to be a grandpa that lives real old, real wise, as able to pass things on to my grandkids. And so whatever I need to do to take care of this earth suit, I'm going to do it. Amen. So I want to say it again. Everybody does what they want to do. I'm not studying after the fear mongers that tell me how bad things are and don't do this or don't do that. I've looked at the one that says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm looking to him. And so I'm just telling you, if you, if you question, how are we handling this thing? Well, got a good doctor. Let him study the stuff and work with people. And he knows what's going on. So why do I have to listen on TV? Somebody tell me it'll kill you. Somebody else say it'll heal you. Somebody said all this happened, all that happened. I'm looking at the word of God in Psalms 91, verse 16. says, when I keep my eyes on him, with long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. So on the journey, I'll get natural information. I'll have spiritual information. But I've got in my heart the one that wrote this Bible and gave me life. So I'll listen to him. But I will have natural information. So to each and every one, you do what you want to do. But if you wonder what your spiritual mom and dad's doing, that's what we're doing. We're just checking with our doc first. Let the Holy Ghost show us what to do with what we hear. Amen? Amen. So I hope that helps somebody because people are concerned about those things right now. How many brought their Bible with them? Amen. Well, this, this is our last Sunday morning service. If you got your Bible, hold it up. Hold it up loud and proud. Amen. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God. Given to me by God my Father to reveal to me the living word. This is the written word, but it reveals the living word. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am who he says I am. I can do Everything, absolutely everything he says I can do and I can have everything he says I can have. I believe it. I receive it. And I will demonstrate what a Christian is supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Hallelujah. And, you know, uh, being the last service of the year, uh, not going to be stepping on a lot of toes, I don't think. And just going to have a really great service. And so since this is the last one, and we haven't been able to have a lot of them like we normally have had, let's make sure we do some shouting this morning, get excited for Jesus, let him know how much we love him. Amen. And so today, I titled this, Three Bible Keys to Victory in 2021. Three Bible Keys for Victory in 2021. And of course, uh, Bible keys are for all the time, but uh, to identify where we are, since it was such a ugly year in so many ways for so many people you might have had a lot of ugly things in your life you didn't like but let's let's just realize we're getting ready to close the books on this one and we're writing a new chapter of life and so look at philippians chapter 3 philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 and you know i i I realized when i started i I started preaching back in 1981 but I, i realized when i started pastoring as a pastor in 1992, after a while I, I realized that people come to church not just to hear good sermons, to get answers. And so I've never, ever, ever in my whole life had somebody's famous book of sermons. I've never read somebody's sermons to preach them. I always, 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 for all my preaching life, have talked to Jesus. And I've always said things like this, Jesus... I asked you to look into the future see who's going to be in that service that day. And now I've changed how I pray that because people watch it. And people are going to be looking at these in the future, not just this morning, but people might be watching this after we're raptured. What's that again? How many of you here know there's going to be a rapture coming? That we're really close to it. And so now I'm conscious that when I'm praying about what to preach, that there's people that will watch this after we're gone. There's people that tune into this a month from now, six months from now. And so I'm always very sensitive before I preach to make sure that number one, I've got the exact message he wants for the people he knows are going to watch it. And then number two, that I've got the anointed God on me so it's got life in it when I preach it. And so this, this, this here for 2021, it works all the time, but there's some things this morning the Lord wants me to show you specifically as we're closing the books on this one to get to 2021, to have a fresh breath from God blowing on our life, so to speak, like blowing the wind in a sailboat to help us take off, go the right direction with the power of God behind us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul said, if you want to, read this out loud with me. Let's read these first couple of verses together. I know i got a King James that's on the screen there, so you'll be able to see it too. But let's read this together. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. Paul said, one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things from 2020. And reaching forth to those things in 2021, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm, my goal, my goal is to get closer to Jesus. My goal is to know his plan better. My goal is to do what he wants me to do in 2021 better. And so today, 
I want to talk about how to close out 2020 and enter into 2021 with faith and joy. You know, if you're breathing, I know a lot of people have a hard time breathing right now if the thing's going on, but if you're alive, if you've got life in your body, you're going to go into 2021 anyway. But why not go into 2021 with expectancy, with faith, with joy, and been able to say things like this. I don't know what all lies ahead of me in 2021, but I know this. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know I can have what I say because Jesus told me. So I say that 2021 is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And if it tries not to be, I know how to change it because my faith can move mountains. Amen. With faith and joy. And so as, 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 as looking into 2021, how to close out this year. Now what I'm getting ready to say is important because some of you still got too much of the world left in your thinking. I call that stinking thinking. And so I'm not talking about coming into this new year like the world does and making resolutions. Talk about how you're going to change. You're going to change how you eat. You're going to change how you exercise. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not talking to what the world says like that, making making all these natural goals. Of course, some of them would be spiritual goals. I'm talking about walking every day with Jesus Christ and growing spiritually as a disciple of Christ. And can I tell you something? I got to watch too many bunny trails so we got we can't stay here a long time because of we're following guidelines to get out. Uh, if you have your number one goal of being a better disciple, I promise you, if you need to lose weight, you'll lose weight. If you want to be more disciplined in your prayer life, your church life, if that's your number one goal, I promise you it'll be the best prayer year you've ever had. If you want to be a person that says, I want to be a consistent church attender, if you make your goal to follow Jesus Christ, you won't even have to think about, can I go to church today? You're just being so strong. It'll just be a red light that if you're thinking about doing something else, the red light will stop you say, no, i got to get to church because I'm following Jesus. If you want to be a better husband, better wife, better, better, better parent, better employer or employee, if Jesus Christ is your goal to be Lord of your life, I promise you, you'll be the best boss anybody ever worked for. You'll be the best employee they ever had. Or if you want better health, your health would be so much better if Jesus Christ is truly Lord of your life, you put him first. On and on and on and on. So in other words, what I'm saying, the world makes resolutions they try to do in the flesh. And the Bible tells us your flesh is your enemy. How can your enemy help you do something for God? Your enemy is against God. Amen. 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 And then besides that, those natural things that you want to do to be healthier and things like it, all the exercise, all the discipline like that, the devil doesn't want you healthy. He doesn't want your marriage blessed. He doesn't want your money blessed. So these things you do in the natural, but just try to do the natural side and not the spiritual side first. Well, in the natural, you're no match for the devil. But if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you put him first, you'll knock the devil off every time. Amen. Doing better preaching you are shouting already. Amen. I'll tell you what, right, th- right there you've got enough to go home on. 
And we didn't really get into the meat of the message at all yet. And so I want you to notice two things Paul said. Verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. And listen to this. This means don't focus on the past. The past is called history. You're writing the future right now. You're writing the next chapter of your life. So history is good to learn from, but don't allow it to depress the here and the now. I'll tell you what, when the COVID started, most of you know I was quarantined down in the Amazon jungle. And it was very, 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 very unpleasant. That doesn't even seem like me that happened to now. That's history. That's like reading a book, a chapter of some missionary's life or something like that. Because I don't think about it. I don't think about what it was. I don't think about the miracles God did to get me back to America and things like that. And so why should I focus on that? I don't, I don't think about all the, all the family times I didn't get to have this year. I don't think about all the good restaurants I didn't get to go to. I don't think about all the softball games I didn't watch our teams win. I don't think about any of that stuff there. I think about Jesus. I focus on Jesus. So I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting things of 2020. Those things are history now. And then he said, he said, then reaching forth, reaching forth unto those things which are before. <clears throat> this means, and this is how I live. I'm going to close 2020 with communion and begin 2021 with communion. You know what communion is? Communion comes from the word communication, which is part of fellowshipping. And so I'm going to close 2020 fellowship with Jesus at the Lord's Supper. I'm going to open 2021 with Jesus at the Lord's Supper. And so everything that was good or not good, I will leave at the feet of Jesus. You can't camp out on the victories you had this year. There's so many people, they live in the land of, oh, I just wish I had the good old days back. Oh, back to the good old days. I love the good old days. But right now, I want to have good new days. And so I'm going to stay hooked up strongly with Jesus. And I'm looking forward. I'm not looking backwards to the good old days. Talk about sometimes it's nice to talk about. But man, I'm not living there anymore. You know, I was I was a truck driver at one time. I drove 18-wheelers. Don't tell anybody, but uh, I drove 18-wheelers for 28 years. I drove them for a long, long time. And in my my 18-wheelers, my windshield was a whole lot bigger than my mirrors. If I would have focused on just those mirrors, what was behind me all the time, I'd have crashed. I had to look through the big windshield what was coming to be able to handle life. And so if if you don't look forward a whole lot more than you're looking back, you're going to crash in life. Amen. And so you've got to look forward to the future so you can guide through it and let the Holy Spirit show you where to go and what to do. And so everything that was good and everything was not good, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, for the good stuff. And things that wasn't good, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, you brought me through it. Amen. I'm not just a survivor. I'm a thriver. And that's the way it's going to be. And so anyway, I want, I want to look at some things that will help you in these goals. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And, you know, I I think something that would help you, I can't do it now because of time. I think with over the next few days, if you would really slowly, 
in your quiet time, go through Second Peter chapter 3. It talks about the end times, the last days, a lot of things going on right now, a lot of things that's getting ready to happen in the earth in Second Peter chapter 3. If you'll study that out, I think it'll give you faith and encourage you and help you. But anyway, I want to look at verse 17 and verse 18. And this is part of what the Apostle Paul said of reaching forth to those things which are before of that goal of following Christ Jesus. And so verse 17 says this, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, as so Second Peter chapter 3 tells you what's coming. The fire is going to burn out the earth, and new heaven, new earth is going to be created, and all those things are going to happen, judgment. It says, sin, you know these things, beware. Whatever the Bible says, beware, that's a warning sign. You know some of these traffic lights now, they have the red light flashing for a while before it actually turns red. It's warning, get ready. Traffic is getting ready to start up again that other direction. Don't run this. Beware. Beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Beware. Don't caught up, don't get so caught up in the natural life that you backslide. This would be the wrong time in history for a Christian to backslide and go back the other way. He says, but on the contrary, instead of backsliding, grow. Grow in grace. And grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, it talks about knowledge. Knowledge means you're knowing something, learning something. Let me ask you this. Are you going to grow in a lot of knowledge of Jesus by focusing on Facebook all the time? Is there a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on Facebook? Is there a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on the, on the uh, cable news? Is there a lot of good knowledge of Jesus on the Internet? There's a lot of hatred, Christian bashing, Jewish bashing, American bashing, strife, discord, ugly, horrible, faith-stilling stuff on all those things there. Where are you going to find the knowledge of Jesus in the right way that's going to help you grow? In your Bible and in your church. And so if you're going to make a goal of this year... Paul said he's going to press forward towards the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. That tells me there needs to be a lot of turning off of some computers and iPhones and de-Facebook. Amen. And a whole lot more of opening up your Bible at home, coming to church services where the Word of God is taught, if that's your goal. You know, because if you were setting a resolution like the world does that uh, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds this year, then you do some natural things. You say, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut off sweets. I'm going to quit drink, drinking soda. I'm not eating ice cream like I used to. You're doing some natural things. Well, if you've got a spiritual goal that you're going to get closer to Jesus, you're going to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, then you've got to start doing something like I said. I'm going to shut off these other things to have more Bible time. I'm going to shut off these other things that's still in my faith because I'm not going to fall away with the error of the wicked. I'm going to stay steadfast. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. And these things that lie about Christians and, and lie about America and lie about Jesus, they're not still in my faith anymore. I'm not going to listen to them. That's, that's the right time to clap. Wow.
Pastor Dave, are we on a 30-second time delay of the service? <laughs> well, you watch all these people where they do these virtuals and everything like that. You'll see somebody say something. Then all of a sudden, a few seconds later, the other person responds. <laughs> hey, come out of time delay. We're in lifetime. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so anyway, I don't know about you, but, but I purpose in my heart to have one go that I commit to Jesus. In other words, I'm talking to Jesus in my communion time and, and tell Jesus, Jesus, this is my go. I will do all, Jesus, that I can do to grow spiritually. And I will be obedient to seek you and follow your plan for my life. I talk about a goal, not a resolution. You know, Jesus can help you when you make spiritual goals that are in line with his word. Jesus you know, something, something that I think we as Christians lose sight of too many times. Eternity really is real. Heaven really is real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. And I know that for me, the more conscious I get, when I get around older people I do business with sometimes, that I meet out in the world that are older, I tell you what, my heart cries when I can tell they're not saved. Because I think, man, this person here, I mean, you know, we know young people die sometimes too. But you meet somebody that's in their 80s and they're cussing and hating and carrying on. You know, these people don't know Jesus. And so I know that I've always had my antenna up for the lost. But especially now, the older I get and I see older people, I always think, what can I do to find common ground to be able to share the gospel? What can I do to help these people so when they take that last breath... And people are at their funeral, whether it's a coffin there or whether it's an urn with ashes in it there and just pictures up there on a table or something like that. And they may talk about all the great things they've accomplished. Man, they had 42 years of Fort Irwin or they worked on the railroad for 35 years and all this kind of stuff. They had all these kids and all these grandkids. They made all this money. They accomplished all this good stuff in society. They did all these social things like that. But as a Christian... When I see people like that, and I see nothing in their legacy there that says anything at all that they knew Jesus Christ, I just think this is so sad that all these people are saying all these good things now, but where's this person really at? I don't know, because I'm not inside of them, and I'm not Jesus, but I know one thing, it's a whole lot more joyful for me. I see somebody, maybe they didn't have all the fame, they didn't have all the good stuff people are saying about it. But I knew those people were a good Christian. They went to church. They loved their neighbor. They gave to Christian causes. They shared the love of Christ. They did what God wanted them to do. And I know now forever and ever and ever and ever, they're going to be in heaven. And so I'm just saying, my goal for me personally is to follow God's plan for my life, even more fine-tuned. Been able to grow as a Christian still. I'm still growing. And the reason being, number one, I want to please Jesus. But number two, I want my life to be a picture. Because Paul said our lives are like an open book. People read us. I want people to see me and say, I want to be like Pastor Samples because he's like Jesus. 
I want to be like him. I don't want to be like him because he was a good truck driver. I don't want to be like him because he, because he was a good grandpa and all that kind of stuff there. I want to be like him because he's like Jesus. Amen. That's what's going to count. And so, that's my goal. That's my goal is to follow him. And so anyway, I always like to remind you, the Bible in many places gives examples that tells us God's outline. I call the Bible God's general plan for everyone. God has a general plan for the whole world. And the number one thing is get born again. That's the first step for a human being to get into the will of God. Because until you're born again, you're not in the will of God. And then once you're born again, then God has a general plan in the Bible that's for every Christian, what he wants Christians to do. And then also, as we are serious disciples of Christ, and we build our lives around the plan of God as outlined in the Bible, the plan of God is outlined in the Bible, as we begin to build our life around that, then something really wonderful happens. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to our heart and we start knowing, here's what God wants me to do. And you know, I think about a guy like Dennis Copey. Dennis, how many years were you on that job? 44 years on a job. But he was a man of God, a Christian man, a godly man. And I know Dennis, like me, not a perfect man, but he had Christian character. As for all those years there, those people he worked with, he wasn't called to be a preacher like me, but he's called to be a believer on that job. All those years, I can guarantee you, all those years, those people knew this is a man of God. They knew that this is Dennis Copey. And I want to say it again. I know Dennis is like me. If you saw me every day, you'd find out I'm not perfect. But I do my best to do right what Jesus wants me to do. And Christians influence more people by accident than they do on purpose. I talk about real Christians. Because when we're not out there cussing and getting mad all the time, throwing things, throwing fits, when we do our best to arrive, arrive on our jobs early, Stay long enough to get the job done, not there for a paycheck, but there because we follow Jesus. We do those kind of things. People are watching us all the time. I look at Mike and Betty right there, man, met on their job over there. Betty was the boss, right? Was she your boss? She's not your boss now? Well, you're, you're a different man than I am. Okay, I thought, I was thinking she was your boss. But anyway, they met on their job there. And, and Betty, with, with the, the godly character of Christ that she lives, I've known Betty now for all the years I've been here in California, 15 years I've known her. Betty is a godly Christian example on that job there, and she, she can preach, and she can sing, and lots of good things, but her main thing is, she's a very wonderful employee, and she influenced that man. Led him to Jesus. Got, got him in the right phase, then married him. <laughs> Girls, that's a word for you. Man, make sure they're caught first before you land them. I mean, caught by Jesus. Make sure they're Christians first, and then you marry them. But the thing is, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is this, that on the job side out there, you do more that you don't know you're doing just by living for Jesus than the people out there reading off the three by five cars. Uh, let me ask you these three questions. What would you do if you died today? 
You ever been witnessed to by somebody like that reads the cards to you? <laughs> nah, we live it and we have great influence. And so that needs to be our goal is to follow him. But as we're living that way, you're living according to the general will of God. We'll look at some of those things. You go to church, you tithe, just things you do as Christians. But as you're following Jesus, all of a sudden in your heart, you're starting to know, wow, this is the direction God wants me to go. He doesn't want me to have that job. He wants me to go this way. Or maybe somebody greatly influenced you that there's a career career choice you were supposed to take and you did it, but always hated it. But you did it because said, man, got great benefits. Man, great money. You'll make more money there than you ever have. Great benefits. Oh, what a future you got there. Oh, this is a future. But you hate every day of going into that job. You hate it every day. And then you're born again. As you follow Jesus, you start knowing your heart. You find out why you hated it because it wasn't God's plan. And so maybe you'll take a pay cut and things totally change. But all of a sudden, every day is a joy to go in. Man, you love what you're doing. You're walking in the glory of God. You're walking in the anointing of God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And people see you instead of being a depressed person. Where you're at in life now, you're a joyful person. Because you're in the will of God. And so I said that as we're looking at the word today is this. Number one, to fine tune and get tweaked in your spirit what the personal plan of God is for your life. See, God's got a general plan for everybody, but you'll never really know his perfect plan for you till you get lined up with the general plan, the word of God. So as you begin to line your life up and make decisions day by day, and for me, I've been trained this way for over 40 years. My first thought is when I'm making decisions, especially serious decisions, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? And so then as you're following the written plan, then all of a sudden you'll start noticing in your heart, you're starting to feel led to go this direction in life. And I'll tell you what, when you start living according to the written plan, you're going to know who you're supposed to marry. Thought you single people. You're going to start knowing who you're supposed to marry. You're going to start knowing how many babies Jesus wants you to have. Amen. You know, some people have one, two babies that want it. Some people like Mrs. Pastor, I went up of eight. And, uh, man, by the time they get married, bring some of those grandbabies to your house. We only had about half of them here, but man, we, uh oh, we're on the camera, aren't we? Uh, we had a lot of people. <laughs> But that's cause God led us to have a lot of babies, but we let Jesus be the one that put in our hearts how many to have. And so if you have one or two, hallelujah. If you have a dozen, hallelujah. But you have the babies God wants you to have. I've got a whole lot of babies that have grown up now that are serving God and influence a lot of people. Praise God for that. And so I'm saying you'll know the personal plan of God for your life. As you get hooked up with the written word of God, follow that plan. Now, there's, there's three passages, just verses I'm going to look at to show you some things from the Bible that's going to help you really open up 2021 in a great way. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. And I realized as I read this that this kind of pertained to America today, but that wasn't my thought. Would the Holy Spirit have me open up this way for what we're looking at this morning? 
my thing is there's a, there's, there's a principle here. I'm going to look at these three passages this morning that if you get a hold of this, you will be able to attain that goal this year of allowing Jesus to really be Lord of your life, to where you really live a very blessed life, an influential life, a happy life, and a life that produces not only for the kingdom of God, but produces in everything you do. And so this chapter here tells about this, and I was looking at this this morning, a little history on this chapter to get to this verse we're looking at. And I realized how political life has always been. Daniel went to this country as a captive from Israel. But then Daniel, because the favor of God, was promoted into politics. And he become one of the, I was thinking about you, he had some of those levels just talking about the fort. Well, as you read this here, this, this king, Darius, appointed some presidents, people that don't level down under him. And out of these presidents, that was like people in the cabinet. And Daniel's a foreigner, and these other guys are lifelong politicians. And so this king, Darius, because of the anointing of God, the call of God on Daniel's life, he made Daniel the head president over the presidents. They didn't like this. That would be today like politicians see somebody get put up in the captain position or a position of life. They say, who's he think he is? I'm going to do everything I can to bring him down. I don't like him. He doesn't deserve this position. So these other leaders under King Darius said, we've got to find some way to smear him, some way to slander him, something to do so King Darius will fire him. We don't like him being our boss. And so said, and then it says, well, the only thing we're going to find is something to do with how he serves his God. Because his God was the true God, and they had the other God. So all we can do is find some way. So he said, King Darius, make a law that anybody that prays to some God, instead of esteeming you, King Darius, as their God, we're going to make a law. Anybody that does, they're going to get thrown into the den of lions. How many know the Daniel lions den? So the whole thing was, it was politics. They didn't like Daniel being in that position because he wasn't a Christian, but he was a believer for, under the old covenant. So we're going to make a law. If he, if anybody catches him praying, he has to get thrown in the lion's den. And so then I want you to notice now in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed to that law, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't change his lifestyle because of persecution. He didn't change his lifestyle because of politics. He wasn't a hypocrite. He said, well, you know, I think I remember how to pray. Uh, it's been a long time since I've prayed. But I think I remember how, and so just to rub it in their faces, supposed to pray to Darius? Nope, I'm going to pray. That would be a hypocrite if you don't pray anyway. He said he did what he'd been doing before. His lifestyle, he said, was praying. He said, I'm not going to change and go against the word of God because the Bible, even in the Old Testament, over and over again, tells you to get on your knees, pray, give thanks to God. Acknowledge him as Lord and all those different things it says. And so they passed a law, said don't do that. And so Daniel simply said, I've got a lifestyle. I pray. I'm not going to change praying because somebody threatened me. It's my lifestyle. That's what I do. I don't pray to be religious. 
I pray because I'm a believer. Amen. And so anyway, Daniel was disciplined spiritually. I've talked about your 2021. Daniel was disciplined spiritually. He did what he always did. He developed a lifestyle of prayer and thanksgiving to God. That was his lifestyle. That wasn't his setting up an SOS every time he gets in trouble. You ever know anybody like that? The SOS Christians? Help, 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 Jesus. I'll do it this time. Oh, bail me out again, Jesus. I'm going to start going to church. Man, I've seen so many thousands of those over the year. That usually lasts about a month. Sometimes I see some go two or three months. And then all of a sudden, you don't see them for two or three years. And they're back in. And you kind of get to the place where you know, and somebody said, hey, are they in trouble again? They came back. And so they come back. God blesses them. They want to testify. They get up here. They tell what God did for them. Say, man, I'm, I'm going to do everything God wants to. I'm here, blah, 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 blah. And then people that are mature Christians, they kind of watch and say, well, we're praying. We hope it works this time. They've done this half a dozen times. Wonder how long they last this time. It's called discipline. And so he was a disciplined believer, built that lifestyle. So good times or bad times, that's his lifestyle. He fellowships with God. And so I've done this for 41 years. I was consistent in 2020. I'm going to continue to live this way in 2021. This is God's plan. We're talking about the written plan. This is God's plan for all of us in 2021 and every year. Develop a consistent prayer routine, not legalistic, but a time to fellowship. A time to fellowship with Jesus. You know, that's the way I've lived all my Christian life. My prayer, my prayer time is not the Jimmy prayer. Hurry up, God. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Oh, Lord, bless our four no more. You know, I do ask for things sometimes and talk about things, but my prayer time is mostly fellowshipping with Jesus, reading my Bible, talking to him like I'm talking to you, like I talk to my wife, having a conversation with Jesus, and therefore it's not legalistic. I don't have a big prayer list where I got them written down and I go through the whole list, mumbling off a bunch of stuff and just saying, this person, this person, this person, this person, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, and go through the legalistic list. I pray and the Holy Spirit is my prayer partner. And when I'm praying, I honestly say, Jesus, is there anybody specific today that you need me to pray for? Is there anything going on you want me to pray for, Jesus? Because Jesus needs people on earth led by the Spirit to pray for things he once prayed for from earth. Amen? So that's my prayer time. It's not legalistic. And because it's not legalistic, if something happens or life gets a hold of me and I get busy, I don't have any really good quality times for three or four or five days, I don't beat myself in the head and kick myself in behind and say, oh man, you're backslid now. It's over now. You're in trouble with God. Because all day long I'm praying anyway. I'm talking to him. But I talk about those quality times here where you close everything out. And Jesus said, that's called entering into your prayer closet. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you go to your prayer closet, I like this. He said, your father that sees in secret gives you open reward. 
So in other words, what takes place behind closed doors between you and God is what people see the blessing on out in life. Amen. And so that is, that is the general will of God for all believers is to have your own private prayer life. And so look at Luke chapter 4 verse 16. And, you know, I, I, I realized years ago when I heard it said about, uh, I forget which one it was, Pastor Dave can tell you, he knows all the church history about those, the Luther and uh, Sturgeon and all those famous preachers years going by. Somebody asked one of them, said, 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 how much do you pray? I bet, I, I bet you pray, I bet you pray hours and hours a day. And he said, uh, well, I, I don't ever pray over, you know, a couple, two or three minutes. He said, but I don't go two or three minutes without praying. In other words, prayer is a constant thing. Sometimes, yes, a deeper, longer session is in private, but prayer is just simply having a conversation with Jesus. And so I don't go very long every day without praying because I'm in constant communication, talking all the time. But sometimes I'm behind closed doors. I developed a habit years ago because I have a house full of kids. I've had earplugs in my ears to block the noise out so I can listen to my inner man. Did that this morning. Man, I had a bunch of them in there this morning running around. I don't know what all that's doing. But I had the bedroom door locked. had my Bible open. Looked at what I was going to preach to you about. And I had the earplugs in. So I could hear, all I could hear was some distant rumble. Because that's my prayer clothes. And that was a different kind of prayer. But Luke chapter 4, verse 16 and we're looking, we're looking at a principle here that talking about Jesus says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And so Jesus noticed that he's like Daniel said, says Daniel went there to pray as he always did. It says Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus had the church habit developed. Says that was his habit. That's his routine. That's what he did. That was a part of his life. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And so this is God's general plan for all his children. He wants us to regularly come to his house. Do you know that they call churches the house of God? I mean, I love it. When my family comes to visit me in my house, you know, it's nice talking to my family on the, we got the FaceTime stuff and everything now, man, the Jetsons age come to pass. Everybody watched the Jetsons 50 years ago or 60. Well, that happens now. You know, the Maxwell Smart with the chew phone that everywhere you go, you got a phone and everything like that. I love it to visit on FaceTime, but I love it when my children come to my house. Well, if our Heavenly Father is the number one father, don't you think he loves it when his children come to his house? I, I know he loves it when he gets to visit you at your house, but he loves to look down at, to me, every church service there is from the father's perspective. He says, oh, great, another family reunion. You notice union, unity, coming together again in unity. And so it says Jesus... Our spiritual example, as his custom was. Did you know that Jesus was God in an earth suit? And the Bible tells us, even in start off the book of Luke, we've been reading that in our Bible studies. It says that Jesus grew in grace, 
Jesus grew in his knowledge of the, of the old covenant back then. It says Jesus grew, and so Jesus and earth soon had to grow. He knew the best way to grow was not only studying himself, but to go to church. You know, I'm talking, I'm talking to you believers. If your number one goal is going to be like mine is to grow spiritually, we need to see what the Bible says to do it. You can't just do it your own way. You got to do it God's way. And so that's the general plan. He was just regularly come to his house. And so I'm going to continue to do what I've done as my custom has been 41 years. I will be in church every Sunday, Wednesday at special meetings. Why am I going to do that? I want to be a strong Christian. I want to be a good spiritual example, spiritual leader. So I'm going to walk in spiritual discipline and follow the example of Jesus. Now I want to give you a story of a man that turned out to be a Marine. And I won't say anything about him visiting here from New York, sitting in the front row. But he wasn't always a mighty man of God and a mighty Marine. And this is an example for you about how to grow spiritually. When this young guy was about five years old, we got him in the Little League because he was an athletic guy from the time he was born, man. I think he ran around the delivery room. Whew. But anyway, at Little League, the first year there, in Little League, he liked to do all that stuff. I remember the first few games, had him out in right field. Said, well, my kids always got put in right field first. I guess that's the best position for my kids. But they were good. Look out there. And the game's going on. And Joseph Bernard Samples is sitting around there backwards looking at this out there playing in the dirt. And so then, what is bad time everything do? The coach is trying to tell him how to do stuff like that. And I told him, I was leaving. I said, Joe, you've got to listen to your coach doing this. I know more than he does. This is a true story. Joe may not remember this, but I was the dad. I was there. And everyone's going to have some stories for you too. You can tell your stories later. This is my turn. And so I remember Joe, that first season, his whole thing was he knew it all. He's, he's just starting off. There's Christians think that I know more than that preacher. I know it all. Well, you're going to find out you get kicked out of your butt a few times. You don't know anything. But anyway, I've had to later life. So as Joe grew up and matured here in California, we got a church softball team. And Joe really, really, really wanted to be the best at everything he could do. So he started downloading videos on YouTube, looking at books and the Internet about how to position yourself to catch a fly ball how to position yourself for batting, how to hit it, place hit, all this stuff. He looked at people that were better than him. He studied those things to where our church, church ball, softball team, Joe helped train on so many people that thing in the outfield, infield, how to bat. Robert, you always did an excellent job. Still do if you're still in it this next round. But anyway, man. And so Joe, Joe studied people that knew what to do and how they did it. And Joe started knowing the players of the other teams. And he was in the outfield. Joe would know who was up there, who we had pitching, and where these guys were going to hit it because he studied what to do. And then Joe, when he's up there, he would see who was on base. He would know how fast our base runners were that were on a base. And so Joe would know, I'm going to place hit this right over the shortstop into center field. Or Joe would know, I've got to hit a long fly ball towards right field, and I can bring that guy in. He studied what to do to do it to become a better ball player. And so if you want to be a better Christian, let's study the Daniels 
and the Jesus when he's on earth, what they did. And we'll show, that'll show us how to position ourselves to catch the blessing. Amen. How to use our faith to hit it out there so we can bring somebody else home. That's good preaching, Joe. Amen. And so, my custom's been, because I've followed great men and women of faith, not only in this world I can follow people, because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I follow preachers and believers that have good Christian fruit. At a common denominator, they have their own disciplined prayer life consistently. They go to church, not just, what's, what's that thing you guys call it now, just at Easter and Christmas time? They got a word for that, whatever it is. I don't just go on Easter and Christmas. I go to church all the time. Not just because I'm the preacher, because a lot of times I'm not preaching, I'm receiving. But anyway, I do that. And so that's because 2021 is going to be my best year ever. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And the last verse I want to look at is Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, we're starting to see a good common denominator. You'll see it here in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. They went at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, which was actually 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so Peter and John went up together. They didn't just have a private prayer life, but together. They went to prayer at the hour of prayer. And so the temple, the believers there, had a set time where they prayed together. And so for me, as soon as our Sunday night 5 p.m. prayer time starts back up, I will come together into Victory Hall at every opportunity to be with my church family so I can pray in unity. Can I speak to that little demon that's talking to some of you right now? I'm not rebuking you. I'm speaking to that little demon. I hear his little whiny voice right now. I can pray at home just to get you. I pray at home all the time. Well, if you like the example set in the book of Acts and in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there's much more power generated from heaven when believers come together and pray together. Well, I can pray just in the home. I got a pretty good prayer life at home too. And now that my home is over a half hour up the road, you don't know what a sacrifice it is to come down 30 mile drive to pray at five o'clock on Sunday nights. That's a sacrifice. But you know what? The power of God that comes forth from believers, read the book of Acts. When they were together with one accord in one place, Tongues of fire came down from heaven. One accord in one place, they won the whole city. So next time that little demon tells you, well, I can pray good at home. So yeah, that's right, devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to go pray with my family. I'm doing better preaching than you are clapping. Amen. And so anyway, God's written plan is for believers to not only have their personal prayer life, but to have the body of Christ together prayer life. 
to pray together. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. God wants us to be Christians hooked up with the family because there's power comes out of those prayer meetings. And so, in closing, the common denominator, I want you to notice that Daniel, Jesus, Peter, and John developed a spiritual routine and discipline that revolved around personal prayer, consistent church attendance and Bible study, and then church family prayer meetings, praying together as a family. And so that's my goal still. After all these years, I'm going to be a believer that studies and prays at home. I'm going to be a believer that comes all the time to church to study and pray with my church family. And I'm going to be a believer that comes to church as often as I can for prayer meetings and be praying with my church family. Why is that? I want the power of God oozing from my personal life to win the lost, to help me live a disciplined life. And I want the power of God oozing from this church to come out and win this region and the people God's called us to. And so that's the thing. It's called discipline and routine, and you stick with it. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's receive communion now as a church family. And at our communion time, we want to do what we talked about. We want to close out 2020 at this communion time and talk to the Lord, fellowship with the Lord about our life, about what's coming for the new year. And anything you have that's a weight that's trying to hold you back, lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning and tell Jesus, thank you for getting me through this year. Thank you, Jesus. If it was really bad, then just really praise him and thank him for getting you through it. And if it went really good for you coming through it, thank him for that. But the main thing is, as you're closing out, this is a communion fellowship with Jesus. And so are we off the camera now, Dave? We're Okay, we can stay on. Okay, and so let's let's start with the front row. Just do what we do. Stay socially distanced. Come up and, and get your elements out of there. They're prepackaged, sanitized, and all good to do. Then when you get your communion elements, you can either socially distance, stand around the altar, or go back to your seat.
Got mine. Thank you, Austin. I've got it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Man. Well, I tell you, my heart, in my heart, I'm just thanking Jesus for all of you, for my church family. What a wonderful, wonderful church family we have. It's because of Jesus and people that love Jesus. We come together. That's what makes us so great. But we get to go out into the community around our families all the time and share what we've got. I mean, that's, that's just so awesome. The impact we're having in our world. And we're going we're to see just a bit, but I'm just thinking how many hugs I've missed this year. And I'm just on the inside of me, man. You know, like, you know, like the kids sit on the bench, coach, put me in, put me in, coach, let me go in. I'm thinking, man, as soon as we get the all clear, the natural and the all clear, the spiritual, I'm going to be hugging on steroids. Man, I am going for it. I'm going to be the hugging machine. I, I miss those hugs. I miss the little conversation we have at the aisleways at our meet and greet time. Man, as soon as this thing's over with, we're going for it, man. We're getting it all. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But, uh, you know, this is not going to be a draw, long, drawn-out communion time. This is a simple time. We're doing something in the Spirit that's going to send ripples like you throw a rock in the water, those waves go out. What we're doing in the Spirit this morning is like throwing a rock out in the wa- water. You can see those ripples start going out. This is going to have a ripple effect on your future, a ripple effect on your family because communion is the plan of God written in the Bible for all believers to do as a special time with God as we fellowship in this communion time. And you know, because the Bible says it's a special anointed time, it's one thing to be honest with God and fellowship at home. But you come together corporately at communion time. He says, do this together, communion time. There is a special anointing and a special grace at this time. So let's just bow our heads, have a short talk with Jesus. Anything you need to talk about, talk about. If by chance you got something you need to tell me sorry about, then tell him. But just talk with him that we'll receive together. And there are spiritual things promised in the Word of God that comes on us at this time. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to read up 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because I can't say it any better than what Jesus said it and what Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, 
the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He said, My body's broken for you. That's talking about that by Jesus' stripes we were healed. He was beaten for our healing and health. If we believe that Jesus took the sickness disease for us, then we can receive it. Amen. He said, this is, this is for you. So, Father, we want to thank you that you sent Jesus, and we just celebrated his birthday, Lord. You sent Jesus to be our substitute, to die for our sins, but also his physical body was bruised, pierced, whipped, so that we could say, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Jesus, that we are healed and have eternal life because of you. At verse 25 says, After the same manner, Jesus also took the cup <clears throat> when he had stopped saying, <clears throat> Excuse me. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you that your blood washed our sins away. We have a new nature on the inside. We're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. But now we're new creatures in Christ because we've been saved by grace. Thank you, your blood washed our sins away. And Jesus, you told us that as Christians, if we miss the mark, do wrong, and sin, if we'll bring it to you and confess it, that your blood will wash that sin away off our record so we're clean again. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow No other fount I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus Hallelujah. Well, who's been blessed today? Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. What an awesome just setup for 2021 to show us how we can absolutely dominate this new year and be blessed every single step of the way. The word of God works. The word of God is true. And we're going to stick with that no matter what. And that's our theme verse, Isaiah 50, verse 7. We are setting our face as stone, determined to do his will. Can somebody say amen to that today? Amen. Praise God. 
Well, a reminder, we, we don't have any service tonight, nothing going on tonight, uh, but, you know, do some good spiritual holy things at your house, right? Come on, <laughs> stick close to Jesus. And we do have service on Wednesday night at 7, and uh, that'll be the final service for 2020, and then we'll be kicking off 2021 with the Big Bang next Sunday. Amen. And we're going all the way with Jesus. Hallelujah. So. Thank you, Lord, for that. Well, we're going to close out in prayer. I want to pray over you today. Then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. And we're going to see some great things happen to close out 2020. And I don't care what anybody else says. I care what Jesus says about us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's raise our hands together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we're going to be like Daniel. We're going to be like Peter and John. We're going to be like Jesus. And we're going to be devoted to prayer, devoted to the family, devoted to your house, God, devoted to doing your word, your way. And we know that 21 is going to be an absolutely incredible year for us. And Lord, I pray for everybody here today, everybody watching online. We thank you, Lord. Now, you said you wish above all things that we would prosper and be in health. So, Lord, I speak healing over all of us, health over all of us. Anybody that's battling any sickness, any disease, we command it to leave their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke any long-lasting effects and, well, you're going to put up with this for months and years. That's a lie from hell. No, they're not. They're healed 100% in the name of Jesus because Jesus is greater than anything that's ever come down the pike down here. Jesus, your name is greater. Your blood is greater. And we receive that. Every home, every marriage, every family is blessed with the peace and joy of the Lord as we close out 2020. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed afternoon. We'll see you Wednesday.